What's up, guys? Today, I just want to talk about sponsorship. I get hit up all the time from kids that want to be sponsored, and it's awesome. I love that kids love skateboarding and love what we do and video parts and love the whole the whole concept of being a sponsored skater. is cool, man. Like, it's really awesome. I just don't, I don't feel like kids or people in general just don't, we don't ever really get it all out. So I'm going to attempt to try to get out my answer to someone asking me about you know, how to get sponsored. I actually was just at the skate park and my friend Jacob, he's a young kid, you know, he's probably 11, 12, shreds, such a rad kid, like super solid, head on his shoulder. You can tell he really enjoys skating. And uh, him and his dad were there and his dad was like, hey, Jacob was asking about how to get sponsored. And I just kind of went in. I was like, I was like, the best thing you could do to try to get sponsored is just focus on your skateboarding, like your art, focus on your art and getting better. I was like, make sure you're having fun. You're really enjoying it. I was like, that's the most important part. Like if you just focus on how much fun and, and just like creating and learning and pushing your limits, it's really about why you do it. You know, like the more, the more you understand who you are and why you do stuff, you know, the better you're going to be at it. So I told him, I'm like, just focus on that. Don't even worry about the sponsorship stuff, you know? And then I also went in a little deeper because, you know, I want to give him a real answer. I don't want to just give him that, like, you know, simple answer that people say is, like, just make sure you're having fun. And I get it. That's true. But also, like, you know, a more truth is, like, if you really want to try to get sponsored by someone, you got to travel. You got to bring you got to bring value to the brand. You know what I mean? Like, what's the point? Especially nowadays, everyone's good at their skateboard at skateboarding, right? As something grows, everyone gets good at it. You know what I mean? Like, now you can see... People doing stuff that you could only see in videos back in the day. Now you can just go online on Instagram and you can see the wildest stuff. So what becomes valuable when everyone can do tricks, right? Well, I honestly believe that the person out there that really, really is indulging in their art, their skating and really enjoying it and having fun, you can just see that in it. In it. And that expression shines above everybody else, you know, or compliments the other people that are like that. And I mean, that, that when you can tell someone really enjoys and is really pushing themselves and loving what they're doing, not for money, not for fame, not for any of that stuff, but just because they really fucking enjoy it, you know, and really are in love with it or just really just need skateboarding in their life. You can tell. And that takes time, years. It takes a long time, man. You know, you can get really good, but you got to have these other qualities about you that that come with experience and effort, you know? Traveling's huge. I think you got to travel. You got to go outside your comfort zone. You got to, you know, enter contests, meet people, network. And network sounds corny, but what I mean by networking is just meet people. Like, go skate with them, sweat with them. Just go get in the mix wherever. You can go to California. You can go to Pennsylvania. You can go to Massachusetts. You can come to the New England Am. And you go wherever skateboarding is, where people are gathering. Go to the DIY spot. Go to different cities, skate Boston, Providence, wherever you are. Like, just go meet people. Like, mix it up, you know? Get in the mix. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, try to focus on just your skating and creating and really enjoying it and not really focus on like, you know, I need to be sponsored because it's going to make me, you know, it's going to validate me. Don't focus on that. Just focus on skating and you just progressing your art, your expression, your love, your passion. Traveling's huge. That's definitely huge. And then, you know, time is the ultimate, the ultimate humbler because there's so many people that want to get sponsored, you know, and then 
you know, they're going along and the road gets rough and it wasn't as easy as they thought or they didn't get the appreciation they think they deserve or whatever. And just the clock keeps ticking, you know, and then, you know, these people disappear. They're no longer, you know, they didn't get sponsors. So now they're not skating for whatever reason. All I know is that if there's something that you absolutely need in your life, you'll find a way to build it into your life. What I'm talking about is that even if someone sponsors you and they put you on the cover of the magazine and they give you all that money and stuff like that and notoriety and fame and all that stuff that you might be lusting after, they can take it away just as fast. So, you know, you get to the mountaintop at 16, you turn pro and all that. What do you do at the mountaintop? I guess time will tell, right? We'll see, you know, maybe you get too comfortable and or you just want to go down the mountain now and go back up like Time will see how much you really need this thing in your life. But all I know is that if you really want to be sponsored or you really want to keep skateboarding in your life, you'll find a way. Even if it's not getting sponsored, maybe you contribute to the industry. Maybe there's other paths. Maybe you find a way or you make a way or you forged it. And honestly, nothing's really given, man. Nothing's ever really given. It's earned, you know? Just like when you want to do a trick. No one can just, no one can tell you how to do a trick. They might be able to give you tips and stuff, but you got to put the hours, the sweat, the time in, and you got to forge a style from just repetition and trying and trying and trying until things start to click and the muscles start firing right and you forge a style that is sick. And that takes time, man. I know you all want shit now, but it's earned. So I guess that's my little thing today that I wanted to talk about. Today's guest is Sid Abruzzi, um, Water Brothers. The man's a fucking legend in surfing, skating, New England, Rhode Island. Just he he's owned Skaters Island back in the day. He was a huge part of that. Water Brothers Skate Shop. He's been a big inspiration to a lot of dudes I look up to in skateboarding. The older guys that tell me all the stories. And it was so rad to sit down and just chop it up with Sid about like where he came from and what skating and surfing is like for him and what it was like for him and what it is like for him now. And that he's still involved. The man is still involved. Like all these years just fully down so thanks for listening also um this isn't a one-sided little thought right here like if you guys want to have a back and forth with me because i know i could be an asshole and i might not know what i'm talking about fuck it right but i have an opinion i have an expression i'm not afraid to put shit out there so if you want to like go back and forth with me you know where to get me there's social media instagram facebook twitter it's all anthony shetler you can hit me up there and we can just bounce ideas and have conversations back and forth you know um That's how we grow. That's how we learn. We learn from each other. Once again, I love you motherfuckers. Hope you enjoy the show. This is The Shetler Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability to make art. art. And when things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. I hope they get it. I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners. We claim the victories. Yeah, come on. This about to be the realest shit you ever heard. We're in a transitional world right now. Yeah, it's just basically going for it. You know? Sometimes you don't think about getting hurt or slamming, but you know it, it happens. It's skateboarding. You know, it happens every day. Yeah. People are worried about skateboarding and the skate state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like it's like we take over the streets. All right, what's up, guys? We're back today. We got. A special episode. We it's special because we are inside Water Brothers Skate Shop in Newport, Rhode Island, which is a uh, pretty epic looking. I'm wa- I just walking through here. I've seen so much skate history already. 
Thank you. Insane. Um, Insane. Yeah. Since day one. <laughs> and uh, another reason why it's special is we got the package on the show. Thank you, Anthony. It's uh, you know I've been a big fan of what you're doing in career wise and 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 with your broadcast and it's an honor to be on your show. Hell yeah! Thank you, man. Um, I I, I should be the one thanking you because honestly, where I got my my like um. Where I fell in love with skateboarding was Skaters Island. Right on. So, and I know you had your hand in that, which we'll get to later on. Absolutely. But um, yeah, the Skater Island definitely cultivated so many amazing skateboarders. Unbelievable. Like I could give you a list of ten dudes that ended up being pro. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Or in the industry. So, um, very cool. So, sort of like the North Shore <clears throat> of skateboarding for a while. Like yeah. In Hawaii, it's like having the Sunset Beach and Pipeline right there, and all the pros come and. We'll get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to where I like to start, and where I definitely want to start with you is just at the beginning, like when you found surfing, skateboarding, how you got into all of that. Well, basically, um, you know, way young. Something about just riding a skateboard was so attracting that I I couldn't even not think about it. And to be, you know, I don't want to sound cliche, but my aunt actually, actually, I had an aunt who like was fixed cars and everything. She was like <laughs> the hands-on aunt. Sick. And uh, she actually made a, took a set of roller skates and put them on a piece of wood. And that was my first skateboard. And then every weekend, my mom and my aunt used to go up to uh, like the outlet company in Boston on a Saturday. And they came back with little steel wheel completes you know, like the first ones I've ever seen, and we were stoked, and they had crazy names on them, and um, I never got off the board since then. And um, where where were you living right then? I was living right where I live in Newport, Rhode Island, Thurston no Avenue, the family house. Um, we just couldn't wait for like like last week. All the streets were just needed ten feet of clear pavement just to stand on the board. <laughs> And or a sidewalk, and we hadn't even thought about banks and all of that stuff to ride. We we're just kids riding it, and um, you know, did that for a couple of years. And then, as the surfing boom started in the '64, '65, they started having like skateboard models or or you know decks with clay wheels and trucks, and you saw them advertised and back in little surfing magazines. And I I was like in seventh or eighth grade, and um, it was probably like 66, 67, and boards were like 995 and 1995 <laughs> for completes. And then a place called Val Surf, which I never mail ordered, but Val Surf was selling completes, and you get to look at everybody and all the boards. And then um, just actively did that. And then the summer of 69, I really wanted this surfboard by uh, Rick Surfboards out of California and a certain model, the Joe Rowland model. And we were skating and, you know, I just sort of got out of high school. We were skating everywhere. We we, we named all our skate spots um, basically after housing developments. Yeah. Because like on the sides of the hills around here, Continental Village, uh, Sandy Point Lane. They're all slopey hills that went down to the to the bay, and they paved new roads and with like the little curbs and stuff. So we're totally riding them, and all our brakes, all our you know, we're all doing the carbon surfing thing, Sick. and you know, kick turning. But everything was still on like a 19 inch, 22 inch board, maybe 23 inch board, Dang. and uh, did all of that right to. To the explosion, and then this is what I, I in '69 I started selling surfboards 
out of my basement. I opened up Water Brothers and the Shack in 71. Now, skateboards were something that really weren't carried that much. And so I was like the first store to carry them. And we, we actually sold decks that we had to drill the trucks into. Damn, <laughs> that long ago. Huh? Yeah, like, like you buy a piece of oak. Like it was a shaped oak. Sick. Like every company, if you bought the shitty fiberglass ones, we already sort of had, by the grace of God, we knew what was a pop-out, what was a good board. Yeah. So we knew right away wood. And so we're riding oak, but when they send it to you, you had to drill it for the trucks. Everything obviously was loose wall iron. We were selling clay wheels. And then when the urethane wheel came out, everything went haywire. And we can get into the, the precision wheel story little bit down the line. I, I'd like to jump around a little bit. Before sure. you get too deep, I want to go back a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you two things, kind of, which are kind of similar. One is, was there even anyone, like how many people were skating? Right. And then like, how did it, I guess that's where we could start. Like, was there a skate scene? Like, no, what was this it? This is kind of funny. Too. This <laughs> is where Kevin Day and uh, Cup of Joe and uh, Jake Phelps come into the scene. Sick. Okay, so... Here we are, the surf guys. Okay, we're the surf guys going into Providence on the weekend because on Sundays the cities were closed down. No, no businesses were open. Yeah. So we go to Providence and skate the outlet company parking garage. Any bank we found, Fall River was a haven as we're watching here. Yeah. And still uh, is, still is. Yeah, still yeah. is. And then we started going to Boston, and we found Boston's Children's City Hospital. We were skating those banks back in the 70s when they first got up. Now, at the time, there was no other skateboarders. It was like the surfer guys coming in. There was no generation from the cities yet skating. Yeah. I mean, we carried it up there, and like two weeks later, you see little kids with 995 boards at this break. We was watching now, skating. Like <laughs> a week later, we're like, hey, it's cool. We got locals going. Yeah. And then we ran into the first generation of skateboarders that didn't surf. <laughs> and at first, it wasn't the most love going on because they're claiming skateboarding as theirs. <laughs> their sport. But they didn't want the surf. They, they hated the surfers having to be like the guys bringing it there. <laughs> and, and it was Jake and Kevin Day and Wrecker. And we skate Zero Gravity in Cambridge. We skate Malden, indoor cement park with pools. Wow. And all through the 70s, we became best friends. And sort of had mutual respect of everything. So that they were the first batch of guys that were pure skateboarders. Yeah. Well, all the Boston guys. Fuck yeah. And so when we went up there and saw them, we were like, it wasn't like, dude, who are these transplant guys? We were there. I can say we were there first, but we were there at the same time. And so we ended up totally, you know, enjoying each other company. Saying, hey, you guys going to be at Zero Gravity next Saturday. <laughs> so we had a good time. Like it, that. It's tight because it's so small then, too. It's tight that you guys oh, could just man. be like, what up? And just yeah, get along so and be small. able to skate. But you know what? Also, there was manufacturing started. I was, you know, we had Stevie Dara, uh, genius, flight skateboards, hey. made in Newport. Um, he ended up signing Kevin Day, which sort of, you know, like a, one country marries another country. <laughs> so we had like the Boston guy ride a, a, a Rhode Island company. Oh, crazy. Steve Ellis showed up. You know, Ellis pretty famous. He owns Cholos. He has the big cement pools out in Hawaii. He started Woodflow Skateboards all in Rhode Island. We had Yagu Skate Park over there. So the 70s was really, really picked up fast. Hey. I mean, skateboarding was 
just huge. Everybody was skating. Your thing wheels going crazy, but it was still loose ball burn. Damn, man. So I guess uh, my next thing was kind of leading into like, who inspired you to skateboard? Like, where did you guys, did you just find it naturally or was there any videos or magazines? Well, or know, there was no videos. Um, 64, we just did it. You know what? It's, you know, it's a blessing that there's something just like you. You saw it and nothing was going to stop you. Yeah. Nothing. You know, there wasn't like skateboarder magazine wasn't out. Uh, and you couldn't go online. You didn't see it on TV. And then when skateboard, it did come out or a article in Sports Illustrated. Your mom was there. You know, they got a, a picture of a skateboard in Sports Illustrated. <laughs> Dude, I got to get one. You know what I mean? And so anything that had skateboarding in it, you just kept it in your room. On your <laughs> wall, no matter what it was, like dude doing a, even though yeah, I hated handstands. We were a, a dude doing a handstand or something. <laughs> I mean, it's like that. That was my worst thing ever. People did that. They're like, what are they doing? Conrad doesn't like handstands either because no. he, he can't. That, he's I, got T Rex arms. He can't yeah, do. Yeah, I understand. That. <laughs> but anyway, but that's type, and that's where that Dogtown movie is really true because there was two camps. There was that Russ Howell goofy uh, style of skating, and then there was a Dogtown Slash and Terror Skating, which came from surfing. It's cool because you can see... <clears throat> actually, before we go forward, I got to apologize for my voice. It's going, so throughout this podcast, it's probably just going to go out if I get excited. If okay. I raise my voice, it's going to just start crackling. No, no worries. But um, it's cool because you get to see the different styles form, the original right. styles that right. like that kind of laid the foundation for everything. Right. It, it must... It, for you... <clears throat> See what I'm saying? For you, especially, it must be cool to still be involved in it, still breathing it, because you you've been through generations and you've seen six decades. I was thinking today, six decades. I've been six decades of everyday skateboarding. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cool that we're sitting in your skate shop right yeah, now, just man. like it's crazy. It, it, do you mind me asking how old you are? No, I'm 63. 63. Yeah, I'll be 64 in August. And so. when did you start skating? How old do you think? Oh man, I was about eight or nine years old when I had a board. Oh. Oh, man, that's then, insane. And then, so, yeah, it was like early 60s. And then, you know, from ninth, 10th grade, when you could buy clay wheel completes, it was game on. You know how how much time did you divide up between surfing and skating? Um, Probably skated. I skated first. Yeah. And I skated more because it's just a lack of surf and stuff like that. And every East time Coast. I travel, to this day, I went down to Surf Expo. Here's a 63-year-old guy carrying a, a skateboard on the plane with him. Like, oh, I went to the <laughs> but I, I always, I, I mean, skating is, I don't, I've never, that's one thing about it, too, like, surfer skater i always it's all one blood to me it's all it's all a feeling you get from riding the board yeah i, I like that that's a really beautiful way to yeah, say it yeah. and and to be honest skating stemmed from surfing so it's definitely along the same heartbeat you know yeah, what i mean so yeah. um i guess moving forward a little bit um how did you get into business side of skating well i started selling skateboard i mean surfboards out of my basement and then we got the shop on the beach where we had the mini ramp and then a vert ramp. We're down there for 20 years. And uh, skateboards, which, you know, I mean, it was just, we started selling wheels, buy hundreds of loose ball barns. Yeah. And it was either Sure, sure Grip or Chicago trucks. And we'd buy like hundreds of them because that's the only trucks you used today. And we just used to pre-assemble boards when people come in the shop. So it was real low key. It wasn't like never made any money doing it, but we were the guys doing it, doing what we love. And, um, selling skates and then as the companies progressed 
we started selling company boards for people. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that that must have been and Tracker pretty... came out, and uh, you know, eventually Indy came out, and Gullwing, and all that. Stuff. Must have been cool having the shop right on the beach. Yeah, it really was. Just was... be able to go in the water and come back. Yeah, it was really nice. You know, and, and we started we started doing. Um, that's one of those housing projects right there we're talking about. Oh yeah, so that's what you're saying. You guys would just skate the that, banks that's on the probably side. Probably sixty seven. Sick. Right there. I did that too when I was a little yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carve up the little yeah, sewers. It's like and shit. forty years old, right there. But anyway, um, more than that. But anyway, so anyway, we, we're so fortunate <laughs> to have that place. And then probably seventies, we started doing demos right at the shop. And I mean demos. Dara would show up with a van, put a deck on the van that did a roll in off the van into like a twelve foot quarter pipe. What the fuck? And there's pictures of that you can see. We can put up and show you. Please. And, um, Stevie Dara, way ahead of his time. We have hundreds of people there, and we started doing that, and then built my own quarter pipe there, and then we built a, a half pipe that had no flatter decks. That was next to the shop for years. My landlord was real cool, and then it just kept going until we built a mini ramp in the mid-'80s, legit, like had Twister and the guys that I flew over for Skater Island build it. It's like 16 across, 6 high, pool coping one side. Damn. And we had the Bowser Gate there in 88. What the $2 fuck? $2 tickets. Wow. Tony Hawk and the boys. How do you rig that up? Uh, they there. It was just available. You had to pay Paula Grant. Oh, man. They, they had two tours going. They had the Hawk Tour covered the north, and Cabby led the tour that covered the south. And we signed up for Hawk, and uh, I got that video right here, too. And um, and and Tony and the guys, Tony, Steve Saez, Ray Underhill, Harris, and uh, Scotty Foss. That was that touring squad. Wow. And uh, it was going to rain that day. We built this giant tent over the shop. <laughs> and I posted it on Facebook today, a picture over the shop and, and the ramp. So, you know, they wouldn't sign autographs. So it was two bucks. The guys ripped the ramp up apart. And, uh, was Tony, sorry to cut you off. Was Tony massive then? Is this like the height yeah, of it? Yeah, this is the 88, 89's bone Wow. And that's it sold insane. out. There's like a thousand kids in the parking lot. And that, and it was crazy, dude. <laughs> no one shut you down? No, it was legal. Like, it was cool. Wow. We see. had the big parking lot down the beach. Everybody, it was like everybody was stoked, you know what I mean? And then, you know, eventually, you know, we had everybody show up. The, the Bad Boy Club with Monty, Monty Holder, Monty Nolder, uh, Brian Pennington, uh, Reese Simpson, uh, all these guys. Everybody kept showing up every summer, every summer. And then we made it a vert ramp, nine with a foot, 16 across steel. You said no flat bottom on that, Well, though? no, this is the original ramp. Uh, no flat. Okay. That was, in the 80s, we had the real deals going. And then in the in the 90s, when we made the vert ramp in the last half of the 90s, we had Jason, Jesse, and Damn, sick. all the NHS boys showed up. I remember Sean Mosley went down to Priority Park. He's been street area down there. <laughs> and uh, Jason showed up. Then we had Hasoy, Sergi, and all the Fletcher brothers on a tour called the Bloodshot Tour, sick. which was in 99. It was sick. Those guys all came with a band. Ray Bones Rodriguez was the guitar player. Damn. Christian Nathan Fletcher, bass and drums. This is all through the shop, through Water Brothers? Yeah, it was all a, through the shop. And it was Water Brothers. You know, the name originally was Water Brothers and has been The whole time, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I called it the surf store once, WB surf store. No, it's always been Water Brothers. I got quite... I, I got tons of questions, but we'll start with um, what was it like? Um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> running running a skate shop and watching it grow. Like, what was that process like? 
from the beginning? Like, well, it, it was it was when we were you know we never got big to the point where it was commercial or it was just me. I mean, I didn't even think about money. I was just thinking about getting up and going skating and going surfing. And you know, we were just blessed with a cool landlord and cheap rent. And in eighty mid eighties, like a, a friend of mine, Rick. Wybus came in as a partner. Wybus, what up? Yeah, that's how Ryan got about Ryan's no uncle. I didn't know that. That's yeah, awesome. Ryan's uncle, Rick, super cool. Hell yeah! And he sort of did the books. You Another know? shit, sick. So like, all I had to do is like, <laughs> you're chilling, chill out. <laughs> and, you know, he, he did the books and like all of that stuff. And then you know, eventually Ryan started working with us and all that stuff. And um, but Wybus was like the best man. And so like, I sort of skate and get the talent going and why would be in this little like in the room like that all like scratching the pen and paper <laughs> paying the bills and shit and so it, it was pretty cool how it worked um why, ryan ryan has a sick back tail too as i whenever i think of skaters island i think of uh Wybus in the pool in the snake run doing Absolutely. back tails on that long yeah. straight wall yeah. like that dude and another thing i like to always say to people like i think about skaters island how much i miss it i wish that i could skate tranny like i could now back then because you guys had so much good tranny stuff and i was that little dipshit just going back and forth at that time right because i couldn't carve and pump you know did you get to skate all three uh builds i i skated yeah i don't know about three i skated when it had like the pyramid tranny yeah. pyramid, and then you guys widened it, widened it all out, and yeah. then that was like the third build, right? Right. right. Was there one prior to that that well, I didn't the, know about? The first one was the smallest one. That that whole Skater Island thing was just like how it happened was just just nuts. We were basically uh, we're down the shop at twenty till ninety three, and uh, then we moved next door, right on the other side of this building. Because oh, they stopped the ramp, they, they sold the property for a million dollars or something, they threw us right out. Damn. Yeah, right out. Like, Fuck you guys, right? Yeah, we're, <laughs> uh, don't even ride the ramp or you guys got to leave tomorrow. And this was like in October and we just wanted to stay there until like Christmas anyway, right? Yeah. So anyway, so we're up here for about four or five years and all I wanted to do is, I'm used to having a ramp next to me for like 20 years or a quarter pipe and... So we drive, that's where we drove the Maximus every day. Oh, sick, sick. So we drove the Maximus But that's a, that's a fucking drive, though, huh? Yeah, but it was nice, you know, like I said, with Rick being cool, you know what I mean? Like, hey, we're leaving at 2, 3 o'clock. We load up the old caravan with all the boys, oh, yeah. and we go off the Maximus, and we skate Maximus three times a week. Sick. But, it, you know, it kept it going. And then I just wanted to do this skate park. So bad, and I had no money. Seriously, none. <laughs> and um, I'm there, man. And I just started thinking about warehouses. If I find a blank, a, a empty warehouse, I can ask someone who maybe would want to see the opportunity to build a skate park with me. And like Bob. partner up, yeah. Yeah. So I looked at a couple places. Again, not even a half a month's rent. Nothing. <laughs> and I walked into where Skater Island you is You had some now. balls on you. Sorry to cut you yeah, off, but well, no money, but you're like, let's yeah, do this. <laughs> well, you know what? It's also like, you know, I read a lot of you know, your story today. And, and, you know, it's just the right desire to do it right and uh, to accomplish what, what you want to accomplish. And, uh, and nothing can hold you back. Yeah, you know what I mean? The fire, and, man. Especially if you're doing the right thing, you know, and that's important. So I ended up walking into this building and it said 27 acres for sale. <laughs> and the building was empty. And uh, I asked this guy, who do I call? And he said, well, 
the owner, he'll meet you out here on a Thursday. So that I meet, I drive out there from here, from the shop, and there's the owner of the place meets me in there. I said, hey, uh, how you doing? I, I got an idea. I'd really like to do an indoor skate park in your building here. And the guy's there, well, what do you got going? I said, well, actually, I'm sort of looking for some backing and stuff like that. And the guy said, well, listen, I'll give you a couple months because I'm really not doing anything with this building right now. So I'll give you a couple months to try to find things. And so a couple of people were, like, filtered in and out. And then I ran into, and at the time, little Eddie Hall. Yeah, Rap Life. Rap Life was working for me, like, five or six years old. Oh, no shit. Yeah, he was, like, in my back pocket 24-7. <laughs> like, he'd get dropped off to the shop, and I had Rap Life working for me. Sick. Since six or seven years old. <laughs> and I'm great friends with their family, Mary and everything, her mom and, and Doug. And I said to him, uh, they said, hey, what, what's going on? I heard you're trying to open up a skate park. I said, yeah, I talked to these people. They sort of didn't get back to me. Flail. They go, we want in. Damn. I said, really? <laughs> and so, damn. It's crazy that so get, just an idea like yeah, that, and then absolutely. it's like reality. It's, yeah. Fucked first, up. first build, 7,500 feet. Uh, I said, hey, I got the guys. We flew Twister, Johnny Kardashian, Car Wash, threw in Freddie Smith, Jeff from Jobless, gave a lot of the big team, a lot of the guys threw down as, you know, Twister's assistants, wood guys, and Dougie on D&D fence. Yeah. So we had a great line on bringing wood in. You had all and the pieces for we sure. We had all the pieces for sure. We put it together. We did 7,500 square feet, knocked that down, blew it out to 15,000 square feet <laughs> right, right away. And then within a year later, knocked it out to 20,000 square feet. Yeah. And uh, we got in Tony Hawk's PlayStation 3 as a place to go. And Kids still bring that up to me yeah. to this day. So and it, guys like you and, man, all the kids from Boston and everybody used to stay at everybody's house. And, I mean, I used to go there and I'd run into, just on any casual yeah. day, we'd run into PJ Ladd. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Jeremy Rogers, Ryan Gallant, Zara Bassett, um, Akil was there. Akil was across um, the street. Yeah. Akil showed up. <laughs> Akil twisted. I saved Akil. Yeah. He used to show up from Oxbow, the little project for us. Yeah, there, I've seen where he was. With purple rollerblades. Oh, I've heard and, this. <laughs> and, and, and like... You did save him. Yeah, Twister <laughs> was like, this kid is bugging me. Like, like driving me crazy. So I'm there like, Akil, just like sweep the... Help out. Just, you know, just sit there and, when's it done? When's it done? When's it done? And stuff. I said, you don't even got a skateboard, you know? <laughs> and... uh Twister said, we can't have him showing up. So I said, come on, come on. Next thing you know, Akil turns out to be a pro. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it was a lot of kids like like that Kenny Valentine. Oh, Kevin was so good, man. Yeah, all yeah. these kids, man. You know, like, it, it kept a lot of kids out of trouble. Hell yeah. And it, it, created, it created a lot of hype. And you know what was really cool about Skaters Island that I enjoyed was that <clears throat> it kind of brought everyone together because the East Coast winters, like right, right now, we have Skater's Edge, and that's where everyone kind of c- comes together. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yep. For But for that time, it was right. the island. Like, I drove 45 minutes, and we'd go, we right. try to go, you know, every weekend, twice right. a weekend, like, right. if we could, you know? And uh, it just everyone came, and that kind of helps form an industry where right. people are meeting it, it in the mines. And, and it actually, that's 
Alva picking out the B-52s Rock Lobster 79 Winchester Pro Bowl right there. Yeah. I filmed that whole thing. It's coming up. It's crazy. Yeah, Sid, when I walked in, Sid had uh, – he has this this uh, video going with all this old footage. I, I filmed this. This is the Winchester Skate Park in California, the doubles competition. Oh, they're charging it right now. The doubles. Team doubles, man. <laughs> That's awesome. It's crazy. But anyway – but what it also did, besides for you guys, it also gave the guys who were like in their late 20s who basically had to take the skateboard out of the closet, Davey Rogers and the, these guys were like skating all the time, traveling and living out of town. Davey, uh, probably one of my favorite skaters of all time. Hell yeah. And all these guys moved to Newport. Sick. They moved to Newport. They have families in Newport now. They started jobs in Newport. Because of Skater Island, because, hey, here's a place that breaks seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And so they moved to Newport. A lot of guys from New York, the Lopez brothers came up. Here. Oh, the Flying Lopez the brothers, flying dude. Lopez okay. brothers. I mean, I've had people like off the wood chart saying, hey, dude, any apartments up here, you know, and it was cool. What it did was it gave a lot of guys, a lot of guys from Scotland came here, like Frazier. Hell yeah. And all those guys came here and they, they came here because of a, a you know, a place where they could ride and, and the style of the park, like you said, offered tranny and pool and bowl and street. And Seriously, it, you guys had it, everything. It was a win-win. It was like, I, I've been around the world since Skaters Island and, right. and I still, Skaters Island is probably the funnest park I've been to. Right. Like Absolutely. I still, it had everything. Even to someone like me who, who loves skating handrails, they had a small rail, big rail, round, yeah. square. It had everything, pyramids, hips, like you name it, it had it. Actually, jumping back a little bit, how did it end up in Tony Hawk's video game? Did they Tony contact Hawk, you? How does first, that work? I knew Hawk from 88, 89, okay? And then when he came down to Warner Brothers. And not just, hey, what's up? That's all. You know, I, I know Jason Jesse's my brother and all those guys, but Hawk, hey, that's all. Yeah. And then don't forget, jumping back for a second, Knock on the door like at 94, 95 saying, hey, Danny Wade, Colin McKay, uh, Kareem Campbell, all these guys. Yes. They're going to be in Newport in about two weeks for a thing called the Extreme Game. Oh, yeah. And I'll be right. like, what? <laughs> like, and you mind if they have their boxes sent to your shop? Fuck and I'll yeah. be like, are you kidding me? Yeah, let's and do so it. right there. And the next thing you know, we're headquarters for the 50 of the top world pros in the world they built the street course over in fort adams and they built the the, the burnt ramp over there these guys they put them up at miley hall over at salve regina i'm getting calls from like kareem like hey yo dude sid it's cream they got me in a dormitory man any good hotels there like the guys who were making the loot wanted to stay in a hotel yeah. and all the other guys who were just scraping by were like happy to be in a dormitory yeah but next thing you know here's the here's the the all the top pros in the world in Newport, Rhode Island for two years. So that went down. And then when Skater Island was built, Providence had the Gravity Games. Yep, I remember that. And they had a couple rain days where they called me up and said, hey, do you mind if we all come down and practice, bring the whole thing? So, you know, next thing you know, everybody from Burnquist to... Damn. Everybody. They so all came kinda, to Skater Island. That kind of like opened it up so everyone, it became a landmark. Like the skate park was the, that's the spot. And, yeah. and when Tony got there, he saw what he liked. And, um, you know, like a couple months later, they come in and bring his crew in there and they 
I don't know how they do it, but they shot the whole park. Yeah. And then applied it to the game. It was pretty damn accurate. Yeah, I remember yeah, playing yeah, well, it and being like, holy shit. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, I remember um, one of the Lopez brothers almost landed the 900 on the vert ramp there. Dude, Tony's demo. Yeah, insane, yeah, man. I was yeah. like losing my mind. Yeah, you know? that was during Tony Hawk demo. It was but like the race for the nine. We also had the Joan Soda thing. Yeah, that's when, right. When he came with Markovich and all of yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that. Remember how cracked it was a hot day, and there was must have been a line like down the street to get in. And it was Joan Soda. Uh, it was Hawk's show with uh, Markovich was with it. Man, I got some. Donnie was huge still. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, he always is huge. But yeah. Donnie was like, like right there. And uh, uh, they just had a bunch of dudes. Oh, Jason Ellis. Yeah. Jason uh, Ellis was there. So all of that stuff was going on, man. It was just so much fun. So um, <clears throat> kind of moving forward with the park because the park's not there anymore. So what was right. kind of – what happened with that And from your perspective? Well, I'll be honest with you. A couple – what I did was I integrated Water Brothers with the park under one corporation. And just a couple things weren't seen eye to eye. And that's where I chose to – make a decision to step out of the, the park situation. The direction of what they were trying to do just no, wasn't it's just, it, it, it's just there was a couple moves that, yeah. you know, and looking back at it, you know, everything I'm sure could have been resolved. But it, it's a couple, couple moves that, that I wish I just was basically knew ahead of time they were going to be made yeah. as a partner, and they weren't. And I just, my convictions just walked away and, we had to settle where the park remained in their hands, and and I got Water Brothers back in my hands. That's and, good. That's and good. It, it was good. And then a couple of years later, well, I was going to ask you about because the rumor was for a long time was that the landlord something with the landlord, and that's why the park ended up closing. Do you, I don't even is that what it was? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I always wondered about that one. Yeah. <laughs> so all right, jumping around again, yeah. <laughs> jumping around again. Uh, I wanted to get into how you found music. Oh man, that was you know it was pretty much my brother and everything like that. We uh we never played cover music, and not that we played out of say so. We did play out a lot. We're in a couple of videos and all that crap. But but um we always had my basement. My brother always had a guitar, a nasty set of drums, whatever. But we did really funny thing. What we did was we're a year out of high school, maybe two years, um, and. We did an Alice Cooper mime show. Oh, sick. <laughs> right? We Fuck made it. all our guitars out of wood, and we put glitter and, and stuff on them, and we made drums with Reynolds rap on them. And there was four of us, and we had, like, Alice Cooper killer album playing, and we charged, like, two bucks to come down my basement. Yes. And we did an Alice Cooper show. My brother was Alice Cooper. <laughs> And I was like a guitar guy. Do you got photos or videos of yeah, that? Yeah, there's like one video, no photos. <laughs> I mean, there's one, there's photos, no videos. Uh. So he, my brother was called Alice McGoo. And, and eventually it just became into playing our own music. And then um, we did, eventually we formed Big World in uh, 78, 79. And I like to say we did two five-year runs 20 years apart. Wow. Which we did. I mean, my second <laughs> Big sick. World show was... I started again, and oh my goodness, 
How do you how do you get back together after twenty years or like how do you by staying alive? <laughs> yeah. That's one thing. <laughs> oh, guys, everybody was still alive. But okay. that was a fr- that's Dwayne Peters right there. Check that. Oh fuck yeah, that's legendary. Yeah. I have a photo of him like um, we were at a do tour yeah. and uh, he was killing it so hard. But the only photo I got was him laying on the bottom of the oh. pool, splattered disaster, out. Master of disaster. It was an epic one. Um. Okay. We got to talk so, about... So anyway, real quick. The five-year runs. So anyway, first five years, the OG years of punk, uh, 78 to 81, uh, played with uh, Johnny Thunders a bunch, Damn. played with Iggy Pop a bunch. Holy shit. Yeah, really cool opening acts with those guys, and, um, you know, all for 50 bucks. And, and, and it was like... The basically the owners of the club like this. We just went up there like surf skate guys. Hey, we want to open up here. We played with Joe Jet. Um, Damn, all at Lupo's, the original living room. Yeah, I remember Lupo's. all those clubs. And then um, we put out never put out a CD. I don't think they had them back then. But we we did uh, a cassette or something. Locally, we were big. And in Providence, we were trying. And then we in Boston, we played a bunch of clubs up there, which was like. First band on four bands or something. Yeah. And maybe a couple second band on or whatever. And then things just, uh, we got back together in uh, 203. It was just talk of it. It just felt right. And that's where we replaced our first CD Sick. called Happy Birthday. It has Big Truck and all that stuff on it. And Odell and all those guys wrote us up in Thrasher Magazine. Fuck yeah. The Dell. All, what up, Odell? All, all that stuff. And and then um, we did that for about five years. Volcom put us on a couple shows at the Warp Tour. Damn. Uh, we were the soundtrack. We had the song Pray For Me, the soundtrack for Jason Jesse's album. I mean, movie. Yeah, I remember Jason that. didn't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> and, and then... Um, and then uh, we played down in Florida at a couple of outdoor cement skate parks through Volcom and Electric and those guys. Damn. All right. We're gonna... I was like 60, dude. <laughs> That's sick. Well, staying alive, remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who's uh, who's uh, over here. Who was, the, the, who was in the band? There's my brother, uh, alias Victor World. Sick. Uh, guitars, Jimmy Silk, uh, Sean Devlin, and then on the second, you know, Life. second, yeah, <laughs> chapter second, <laughs> after twenty years, the second know, coming of yeah, Big World. The second coming was Iggy from Five Point Nine. Oh, remember. sick! Fuck yeah! Yeah, Iggy was our bass player forever, and Iggy, Iggy originally was in Neutral Nation. No shit. Way back in the day, and then he, Jenny joined Big World, and Iggy played with us for like five years, and. The boys are still talking about it, but my brother don't want to hear it. <laughs> we just got a call like a couple days ago. Fucking revive that bitch up in yeah. third run. <laughs> it's been like five or six, five years since the last You show. think you could handle it again? Oh, I could. Yeah? yeah? Fuck it. Yeah, why not? That actually leads right into my next question. So <clears throat> as you listen to my podcast, I kind of like to ask people like I'm, – I'm always amazed with people that hang on to the things they love. Right, I right. love people that are passionate and right. like they don't fall – fall into like conformity and right. what pressures uh, the world tells you to do and be right. and right. so how did how did you how are you how did you build this life like your parents must have been fucking pretty cool or how yeah, does it my happen mom and dad were really cool we had no money like my mom basically was uh uh like a secretary at a school you know what i mean and yeah. my dad was a gym teacher and uh they just sort of you know i got this high draft not well i went when I got out of high school, I went to URI for like two months. 
Yeah. I was already over it. I growing my hair. I played baseball in high school, and I was going to, you know, follow my dad's footsteps, be a gym teacher. But I was already surfing and skating, way too committed. I was already selling <laughs> surfboards and out of my basement before I even went to college, and so I didn't know what to do on there. Like, man, Vietnam was raging, right? Damn. Yeah. So if you quit college, you get drafted in the army right away. You had to go to Vietnam. It was so so weird. So I remember like. So I decided to go to URI. My heart wasn't even in it. Wait, so your options were college or the Vietnam War? Pretty much. Fuck that. That was it, dude. Yeah, that's a back against the wall. And I was healthy, so it wasn't like... I seen dudes banging their knees with rubber hammers. I got to see it all. So like just anything to get out of that draft physical. Yeah. And um, so I go to URI, and they have the draft. And I'll never forget, I was in Breslau Hall. And there had to be like two or three hundred dudes there, and it was on like three three TV stations. Everyone carried it at seven o'clock. It was going to be the, the I think it was the second lottery. The first one was the '68. This was the, in '69. And what they did was they have number one through three sixty-five. They pick a birthday for say July seventh, number one. Everybody born on July seventh. It's on the first round of being selected into the server. That's how they did it? Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, April 24th. Everybody born April 24th after they got everybody out of first day, second day. So I'm sitting there like, oh, man. My birthday's August 12th. I'll never forget this number. 321. Um, I got number 321 out of 365 days. I mean, there have to be like the whole, everybody, you'd have to be fighting your neighbor for me to get drafted. There was no way. The, the, and plus, everybody had the odds and everything. Yeah. Just like, now you know what's, hey, what's up? And, and, and the word was like, anything over 150, you're safe. Yeah. So I got 321. I said, call out my dad's up. Son of not digging it. Boom. He goes, no sweat. Boom. Came home, drove a cab for two months, took off to Puerto Rico in the, in uh, January of 1st of 1970 with a surfboard and a couple skateboards and never looked back. Damn, so just, sick. Yeah, just fortunate enough where, where I always had a home to go to. Yeah. You know, where like I had, you know, I could, and it wasn't like, hey, here's $5,000, go start a business. It was like scrape and scrap and a couple hundred dollars here and. Oh, I can relate completely. People front you like, hey. To this day, we're like that. You know, like, hey, give you 30 days on 50 decks, you know? Yeah, yeah. What can you do? You know what I mean? Makes you happen however make you can it, make yeah, it happen. Yeah, it can happen. And, you know, you, you be honest with people in business just like you are in your daily life, and, and, and it will happen for you. You know, like, hey, I can't pay you right back here, but, you know, I, I didn't go spend the money eating that the chart house last night you know what i mean so. it's funny it's like uh that's a big thing for me in business is uh communication because oh. it's like in business shit happens oh, you know yeah. what i mean like oh, shit happens to everybody oh, no one's immune to it so as long as there's open communication you're like oh fuck this yeah. happened sorry it's gonna take a yeah. little bit more time to get your money or vice versa right. or if someone says that to me it's like okay well your word is your bond right you know right we can work through this and then you know everyone gets yeah, their it's shot all, it's all you know it's all in our business it's all communication you yeah. know what i mean i mean everybody especially you and me we're just roots ground level and and it's like you know when when you see someone who's into it for other reasons than you are, and then all of a sudden they they're not answering their phone and stuff like yeah, that. You're fuck. like, oh man, 
It's funny. It's funny. Those people don't seem to last too long. It's like no, they don't. You know, <laughs> Weird how that works. They'll come at you like right away, like yo, dude. Hey, I'm opening up this shop next to the the, the small guy over here, but the small guy over there is going to be the guy for the long run. I think because when people come in with weird motives and they don't really, they're they're right. it's not a lifestyle for them. They, their right. heart's not invested. Right. They're just trying to make shit happen. And people are too eager at, at first. Like you don't realize it takes a while and that you got to build things up and things happen and like oh, yeah. the best approach is just kind of like go with the flow and yeah. do what you can do and keep building from right there. and never get too far ahead of yourself you know what i mean just like especially these guys okay these guys who want in it for the right reasons are in for it to make big money fast well it, big money fast doesn't happen in this business yeah i, I learned that <laughs> yeah. it's like you know what i'm getting 200 decks at 10 bucks and i'm gonna sell them at 34.95 in a week it yeah. doesn't happen like that <laughs> you know it don't happen like that you know and, I, that's why i think the industry and the people that should have the brands and the shops should be the people that really love it because absolutely if there if it does happen like that by certain you know by some shot that it right. does become super successful it right. should be the people that have bleed it and love right, it and live right, it yeah. and, and will invest in it right, you know it always right. worries me when dudes get in it and then they just don't they don't invest in it the same way you know no, and that's scary because then yeah. that's what happened to our industry the right. bubble burst everyone's eating everyone's happy yeah. skateboarding's huge bubble burst everyone's like well we can't have a skate team anymore we can't right. do this we yeah, can't do exactly. that it's like no that's exactly what we need because we yeah. need skaters to be hyped again like absolutely you guys killed the industry you yeah, fuckers uh, yeah really i mean they they build it up just to tear it down yeah exactly you man know what I mean? well this is a good transition into um the shop now and what's going on in your direction and plans or yeah goals i'll be or- honest you know straight out i mean it's public knowledge i mean we were down and out like uh you know what i mean like had a we didn't have and we uh and my lovely wife danielle hello she's the best mm-hmm. um you know we decided we went kickstarter hell yeah i and, saw that that's awesome kickstarter uh gave us life you know what i mean and um we we have a honor and a pledge to the people who have donated whether it's a dollar or or whatever amount and and that is to run the business the most honest successful way we can for them uh for our friends and uh just do it right and we're here right now and uh looking forward for a successful season and keeping it thriving but i mean like it's always hills and valleys and and you know, we just—I can't help but give everybody a deal. You know, <laughs> I, can't, I don't know what to do. Like people don't know, you know, whether twenty-two dollars, but give me twenty and here's a sticker. Yeah. And uh, but you know, we're very blessed to be where we are right now, and uh, we're doing really good. The store's full signature, our own clothing now. We don't carry other brands. We're going to support all the obviously local skate companies and skate brands and stuff like that. Hell yeah. And that's what we're doing, but we don't carry any major corps. Okay, Volcom was our last guy that uh, we don't carry anymore, and uh, they're great friends of mine, and they actually supported our Kickstarter, and they're they're happy to see us go forward as a brand, which is what I've always wanted to do anyway. That's right, man, and I kind of, not that it would be bad to carry corporate companies, but I think to lay a solid foundation, especially now with the way the industry is and skateboarding is, I think supporting, you know, since you're a small guy with with this endeavor, and, you know, I'm a small guy and there's other brands that are small and starting up. I think the people, if you support the people that have their hearts invested, like, right and it takes a while. Like, that's something I learned in business, too, is it, it like, I have a whole skate history of being a pro and all this right. stuff. But in business, people don't know where my, they don't know, they don't know where my heart lies. Right. They don't know if I'm going to stick it out and all right. that stuff. Sometimes it just takes, you know, time. 
just prove that you're like really going to fight through all the walls that get put up in business and that you can maneuver everything. That's why I always talk about my, my, my life history because everything I went through in life is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's prepared me for business because it's very similar. You know, it's like takes perseverance and like, you can't, I mean, you're the man I'm talking to. You're 60. How old? 63. 63. And he's still doing it, which is admirable. Amazing. Like you got to keep going. And, and, uh, it seems like it's a lifetime journey, you know. And if anyone hits the 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 success lottery and anything, I hope it's you because big you time. Too. Yeah. Well, and if I can help, I'll let me know. We're both gonna help each other. Yeah. That's all. All we need is help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, let me tell you a quick road rider story. Oh, that's all right. Conrad's on it. <laughs> uh, I like it. it. Gives the podcast character. Conrad's don't lost. Worry about it. Yeah, let it ring. Don't even worry about it. I don't give a fuck. Uh, we're down in the shop. 90s. Was it 90s? No, 70s. What am I doing? 20 years. <laughs> 70s. And this guy comes into the shop. Goes, hey, sit here. I said, yeah. He goes, hey, my name's Tony. I want you guys to try something. And he hands me the Road Rider 2. Wow, the sick. The first Road Rider 2. <laughs> first precision wheel. Damn, sick. Okay? Now, at the time, tracker trucks and Indies and none of those guys were around. All the trucks were like Sure Grip or or Chicago. Yeah. And they had the smaller axle diameter. Yeah. So he came with these little sheaths, like and you had to stick over the no shit. over the thing. Yeah. Because the the Road Rider Two came with today's Precision Baron. Damn. And he crazy. goes, listen, man, we're made right up the road in Rhode Island. Wow, that's wild. So there's a company called Quality Products in Rhode Island in Cranston, and it's a Rhode Island skate story, and. Uh, they were they had these conveyor belts and stuff like that and they had urethane wheels on their conveyor belts and they developed a precision bearing to make the urethane the conveyor belts run. Wow. And then someone told them about skateboarding. So they designed the wheel, called it the Road Rider Two. Damn. Right? And they came down with us and handed us the first sets and then within two months they had the Road Rider Four, the, eventually the Park Rider the Henry Heston model, but they came from Rhode Island. That's wild. I never knew that. Yeah, and then eventually, probably up, up until 15, 10, 15 years ago, Santa Cruz started distributing them. No shit. And this is talking about big corporate takeover and everything. So NHS worked a deal with Tony and the guys that they would eventually buy the rights to Roadrider and OJs. Yeah. OJs are first made in Rhode Island. By the rights of OJs and Road Rider and all that stuff, and they still get to make them. Wow! For sick. a certain amount of years. Well, guess what? Their contract ran out. Damn! And so all the Road Riders now are made over in China. Oh man! And Tony oh. tapped me on the shoulder like three years ago. Go Sid! I turn around. It's Tony. I was like twenty years. Like, hey, what's up, Tony? He goes, dude, Road Rider pulled up. Fucking plug. My old company pulled the plug out of me making the wheels. That's all right. Uh, Don't worry about it. Let me get. Can I get one second? Yeah, please, oh. please, please. So anyway, um, we're talking about you know corporate takeover. So here are these guys. They sell a company to NHS and they develop the Road Rider. And as soon as their contract ended with through NHS of making the wheel, NHS just stopped production in Rhode Island. Damn. They moved all their wheels overseas. Damn, bummer. So Road Rider came from first precision wheel ever, Rhode Island. That's it. Back in the day, we were just selling Cadillacs and a, a, a wheel out of one of the major, the first urethane wheels came out of Jacksonville, Florida. Hell yeah. It's called Roller Sports. That, they They rode the 2 plus 2, the Stroker, oh, and all that stuff. And then Cadillac wheels out in California. 
I just I just did a podcast with Mike Peterson for, and he's opened. I up, love that guy. Yeah, he opened up a shop in Jacksonville. He's the best. The block. He was up here a couple times. Yeah, he's the man. Yeah, uh, he I, rips everything. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. I just saw him down in Tampa actually. Yeah, I saw that. You guys saw him. He was there. killing it down there, and I was psyched to see him. He's a real honest, uh, upfront dude. And I was you still psyched. got consolidated going, right? I believe so. Yeah. I have to go listen to. Po- I do so many podcasts that I. I'd have to go back and listen. <laughs> I think like still got got uh, Berno and the boys going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still they're still charging it, man. Oh yeah, those guys are good guys. I I wonder because you've seen so many generations of skateboarding and brands and all that right. stuff. Um, what's going on in skating right now? Have you seen this before in a different form, or is it like the? Res- I think I think what's going on now is um, well, it's always like. You know, it started like when everybody breaks away from their majors and starts their own companies. Yeah. That happened, what, 10 years ago a little bit, where there's a lot of new companies popping up. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty solid right now where, like, there's not going to be that many flare-up new companies that are going to go. I think everybody that's going to open up is going to have some kind of, like you said, life where they're going to stay into it a little bit. Yeah, some real estate and keep it in there. Keep it in there, some real estate. Um, I'm unfamiliar exactly how the, uh, like, the street league and uh, all of this stuff is going to play into the long-term run of things for the for the uh for the uh for the sport i i I, sorry you probably have a better answer than me yeah sorry to cut you off but uh i think um as i said on many podcasts i feel like there has to be a healthy balance i think there can be everybody has to be allowed to be involved in skateboarding so it doesn't matter gender sexual preference what walk of life rich poor whatever the fuck it is everyone should and that's like that's uh that's the same with the industry so street league can have its place and then all I need can have its place. Right. And it, but it's just when it gets too, the scales lean too far one way. Right. That's when I get worried. Right. That's why I started my brand was because right. I'm like, I see these scales leaning towards like. Exactly. That's a great way to yeah. say it. Yeah. Yeah. The side of skating that I don't necessarily think should be the majority. Like I don't right. think we should have to do competitions to be relevant. And that's another reason why I do the podcast because right. then I can talk to people who bring bring incredible value to skateboarding like people like yourself like you might not be out there doing fucking what niger does but you have so much knowledge and history and like personality and style and flavor and same like i was talking about peterson like dudes like that right that like they have they're the whole package they're not just talent they're like personality flavor like skating needs a whole rounded thing right i think the problem it is with skateboarding and insurance right now is that people don't really know like the old way is gone right. you know and now you have to kind of make the new way and that's what my goal has kind of been is like right. find a way to make things to monetize things and make money but don't sacrifice my integrity and my ideals right. but find a healthy balance where we can have expressions of skateboarding not right. just tricks but right. everything character personality and tricks on right. top of that right so like and it plays into the events that you run you know what i mean obviously yeah. uh, running an event is great for skateboarding whether it's a demo whether it's a it's just a, a jam or anything like that to to do exactly what you said and and put that put your own gut feeling into an event will just get everybody psyched about the, the soul level of it yeah and that's you know the, I mean? that's the like part. the 9.5 7.4 run yeah like that. yeah because that what you were saying that's about what, street league is like yeah. i worry about that because yeah. if you crop a generation of kids growing up on a point system and thinking right. that the only way to make it in skateboarding is right. to 
to be in the contest and to get these energy drink sponsors, then skateboarding isn't for everyone and it's all one-sided, you know. Right. But that's why it's so crucial that me and you and right. the people that are on these the grassroots level, we're the ones that are pushing what the, what skateboarding is because we are skateboarders. Right, and we're, you know, and that's that's like, uh, you know, again, how long will these guys last, like you say, you know what I mean? They're cycles the they, shit. You know, they cycles, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, like um, you see these big plans projected for the future that only last one to two years. Yeah. Like guys like us, we just we're just gonna keep rolling down the street no matter what happens. Change, change with the times, adapt, and just absolutely keep projecting it. I mean, nothing's gonna stop me from the surf skate business. This is the only life I know. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you've you've hung on to it, man. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's fun, you know. And you you look back, and you know, I sure I'd love to be twenty five and stuff like that. But you know, the time of year that I grew up with the seventies and the from steels and Play the urethane, the precision barons. I wouldn't trade that for the world. Fuck yeah, I can tell. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I think another thing I'm going to say about pro skateboarders out there. I think that since I do the podcast, I want more guests on, and I think more pro skateboarders should have podcasts. And I think, and what I'm what I'm really excited for is like the fact that you came on this podcast because for for our industry and for what we love to heal and fix itself and right. rebuild even better and stronger right. where right. skateboarders own it we have to talk about our past we right. have to talk about where it came from we have to talk about what we went through right. and how we do it different right and it's like you have such a rich history in skateboarding especially right. in where all i need's from new england right, right. that for, to have you on the, as a guest has been a pleasure man thank oh, you so absolutely, much absolutely the way i like to end these podcasts is just um, it's, hug, hug Conrad. Hun, that's just a given. <laughs> We're gonna get some food and talk business. Conrad's repping all I need, Absolutely. man. He's the man to do it. <laughs> all right. So the way I would like to end these is, uh, is there any before we get to your plugs for all your social media websites, all that stuff? Is there any events coming up with, for Water Brothers? Well, the big event uh, this year, and uh, I, I love to see all I need there with their own cool booth and Anthony meeting and greeting everybody. Hell yeah. Uh, July eleventh. Ford Adams, home of the first extreme games. Oh fuck yeah, we'll be there. We'll be our fifth surf fest. Sick. The ramp will be there. It's gonna be twenty four across, six foot high, seven foot extensions. Shit was fucking sick last year. It's gonna be wider, two feet more flat. We got uh got some names possibly coming. Great yeah. Grayson Fletcher might be chopping in. Ooh, he shreds. Dude. Uh, Jason Jesse. Damn. Okay. Hell yeah. T.A. Sick. So we're going to have all you guys, Anthony, Donnie Barley. So we're looking forward to having all you guys as our guests at Ford Adams. Hell yeah. And, and um, All I Need will be there. And we'll be really stoked. Definitely. And plus another big announcement. All I Need will be available at Water Brothers probably within four or five days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, okay. I I brought I brought some decks in my car too, so cool. I might just leave them here, and then okay. we can square away when we okay. square away. All right. If people wanted to reach you, if they want to get involved with your event coming up, absolutely. And like, and if they want to reach out to the shop, uh, social okay. media, Instagram, all that stuff. Here's do. Uh, Danielle, ask for Danielle. Original Water Brothers at Gmail dot com yeah. for like annual general business or surface. Danielle. Also, uh. She's there right now. We're launching a website, I think, tomorrow night. Sick. And we're going to have a Facebook page on it, along with a huge history of skate page. It's going to be incredible. What's the website's name? Original know? Water Brothers. It's just Original Yeah, Original Water Brothers. Yeah. Com. Yeah, okay. yeah. Sick. It's Original Water Brothers. And then the, we're here at Newport, Rhode Island, seven days a week. Reach me at 401 846 
Hell yeah. Send the package at cox.net. You want to email me. Hell yeah. So I'm here 24-7. Got here, sit out, click movies, talk skate. Hell yeah. Hang it all out. Fuck yeah, Sid. And Thank also you. we're working... Uh, we're going to start working a little bit on trying to get someplace good in Newport. That park happened down there. It's the biggest joke in the world. And What is it? What is it? I don't even Newport know. The Newport park is just the worst. It's I know just, there's like banks outside. Are you talking about an indoor no, park? No, we have, no, we have a, no, we're just talking about improving the city park. Oh, okay, okay, okay. We really don't have one that's any good. So yeah, this We're going to try to get something for the kids down here. Most importantly, got to get that going. That's awesome. Well, thank you again, man. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's it. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time.